A friend once told me, worry is like a rocking chair. You go back and forth and back and forth, but you don't get anywhere. Worry to me is sadness, anxiety, and a sick feeling in my stomach, especially when the worry involves my children or my grandchildren. It's hard to watch them struggle. As a member of the Celebrate Recovery community, one time I remember getting frustrated about God seemingly not answering our prayers for our families. Tom Gilbert told me then that Satan sometimes has a stronghold on our loved ones. I've had God's word and promises to lean on and comfort me in those seasons of worry. But even as a believer, it's hard to not struggle and feel pain for my family. I frequently hope that they are gonna be okay. Boy, I love Kim's heart to serve here, the life of our church and celebrate recovery. And I wanna just remind you guys about that ministry that we have here on Monday nights and celebrate recoveries for people who deal with hurts, habits, and hangups. And sometimes we feel like maybe we're the only one. And I love Kim's heart, just to be honest, going, you know what? I, I deal with worry. I deal with worry about my loved ones. I deal with worry about those who don't know Christ. And she invests her life to help others know him. And uh, we all deal with worry and it comes up a little bit. Matter of fact, this morning, I have one of our Northside family members come up to me today and he was just joking with me, but he said, hey, Nate, he said, uh, excited for this morning. I said, me too. He goes, my son is in from Hawaii. Don't mess up. And I'm like, oh man, right? Like, like, man, what a great way to start my morning. And he was just kind of, you know, he was just ribbing me. But, but a lot of times this is what happens is there's, there's moments that we're doing good and then something comes up and we begin to get worried. And sometimes our minds get overwhelmed with it. And today we're going to be talking about worry and how Jesus in particular says, do not worry. Now, I know behind me it says tied up in knots. And yes, I'm a pastor and I'm not very good at math or spelling, right? I know that. But what we're going to find is this. Jesus today is going to deal with the knots in our life. But what he's doing is this. He wants to unravel what has our hearts tied up in knots by phrases that he says, do not. And Jesus says this over and over again. He says phrases like this, do not worry. That's what we're going to talk about today. Do not worry. Next week, Jesus says this right after in Matthew chapter 7, where we're going to look at is this. Jesus says, do not judge one another. Sometimes we really struggle judging one another, don't we? Okay, just me. Great. And, uh, you know, and, and here's what happens. We, we worry. We judge Jesus is going to say this, do not sin. All of us need to be at church that weekend, you know, and, and Jesus says, do not sin. We're like, well, how do we do that? Well, that's why we need Jesus. And then he's going to say this to us, do not doubt. For some of us, man, doubt is a real issue right now. And Jesus has a way for you and I to deal with what has us tied up in knots. But when he says, do not doubt, and then finally, our last week is this, Jesus is going to tell you and I this, do not Fear. Do not fear. That you and I can walk in this place, and it's not the fact that we won't do that or won't deal with it, but it's how we deal with it. And before we move on, I just want to take a moment because sometimes we worry, and I know we're going to talk about worry today, and, and this is something I worried about. You know, before all this pandemic and everything started, we started an initiative that the Lord was leading us to called Setting the Table. And we as a church family stepped out in generosity to do three things. One, we wanted to set the table for mission, for making room on our campus for more people to know Jesus, and then for multiplication, 
to set ourselves up financially to be able to say, God, we wanna step into everything that you have. And literally two weeks before the pandemic hit, we had our commitment weekend. It was amazing what God was doing and then everything shut down. And I'll just let, I just wanna let you know, from that moment as your pastor, I just began to worry. God, what, 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 you know, what are we supposed to do now? And over the past 18 months, the Lord has been dealing with my worry. And I just want to update what we're doing next in our initiative. You guys have continued to be so generous and so obedient to what the Lord's put on your heart. Uh, beginning here in the next couple months, we're going to do a couple things in the next phase of it. We're going to uh, renovate our office space. We're going to renovate the Centrum space for make more room for our third through fifth graders. And then this is what I just want to celebrate with you guys today as a church family. As we were praying about what the Lord would have us to do, what he kept putting on our heart as the elders and the leaders in the church is this. It was to say, Nate, get ready for multiplication. Kind of the grace of God is coming down here today, right? We're hearing it, right? And, and we're going, you know what? Okay, God, whatever that means, we're ready. We don't know everything that you have for us next. The whole world's changed. But God, we want to put ourselves financially in a place to do whatever you've called us to do. And I just want to celebrate with you, church family. Uh, as of this last week, we are officially debt-free as a church. And, uh, man, it is... It's phenomenal. You know, this is, uh, our leaders took a step of faith literally over 17 years ago when, when the Lord began to prompt them to, to step out in faith. All debt's not bad. What bad debt is, is when you actually can't pay your monthly debt. And, and this whole building and everything, it is a blessing. But I just want to let you know, this building is only a tool to reach people. It's just a tool. And now what happens is this, now that we've paid off the building, here's what we get to do. We get to take all of that money that we were paying monthly to begin to invest into new ministries, to reach new people, to look to plant more churches, to begin to use these resources to bless and reach more and more people here and to raise up more and more leaders in our church family. And I just want to say from the bottom of my heart, thank you for your commitment in a time of probably our greatest worry. You chose to trust your heavenly father. You chose to walk in generosity. And I just want to say thank you for your heart and thank you for your obedience to the Lord. See, we will wrestle with being tied up in knots. And what Jesus is calling us to today is this. The reason why he wants to deal with the knots is this. It's because you and I have old patterns in our hearts and our old patterns need a new path. The old patterns that you and I carry, they need a new path forward. That when we worry, God wants us to change the pattern. Here's the deal for me. I am early to worry. When things begin to go a little crazy in my life, I'm early to worry. And the beautiful thing about Jesus is this. He gives us a way to deal with our worry early. When worry starts coming up in your life, you need to know that's just a sign that you and I are human. The only problem is this. If we don't know who Jesus is, we begin to deal with worry in unhealthy ways. Here's what we do. Sometimes we deal with worry through just pain management. We're just gonna kind of grit our teeth and bear it. And that's the way we're gonna get through worry. We're gonna go, this is horrible, I hate this, but just put your head down, just get through it. The only problem is this. After a while, we burn out, don't we? And we hit rock bottom. And now we're worried about our worry. And Jesus says something here in Matthew chapter six to his disciples, it's the Sermon on the Mount. He gathers everybody together so he would be gathering just like he is today, his church. And he says, this is what he wants us to tell, tell us about worry. This is what he says, Matthew chapter six, verse 25. This is what Jesus says. 
He says, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is life not, or he says this, is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Now, sometimes we read that and we go, Jesus just given us a command, don't worry. He's not just giving you and I a command. What he's doing is this, he's giving you and I a call. He's given you and I a call to a new path, to leave old patterns and step in to a new path. Let me just be real clear too. What he's not saying here is this, don't worry, be happy. You're like, yeah, yeah, Jesus sounds good. You're Jesus and I'm not. That's not what he's saying. He's also not saying, don't worry, and it doesn't matter what you do, just sit back, God will take care of you. No, you and I have responsibility to respond in faith and in obedience to walk with Jesus. So it doesn't mean just don't worry, be happy, and it also doesn't mean to sit there and do nothing. Actually, I began to study this word worry, and literally the word worry just means this, to be troubled with care. You know why sometimes we worry? Because we're troubled with care. We're troubled with care for our family. We're troubled with care with what's going on. Sometimes we go, Jesus, we know the Bible was written 1,500 years ago and all this other stuff and different parts and pieces and, and things have come together. And, and, but Jesus, did, uh, tuition for college wasn't as expensive then as it is now. I don't know if you know that, Jesus, right? And I don't know if you know, not just about that tuition isn't as expensive now. I don't know, Jesus, if you know this, but uh, right now we are in a 6% increase of cost of living. There's plenty for you and I to be worried about. It's harder to retire right now. Things are changing. But what Jesus says here is this. He's going, I want you who are early to worry to begin to let me in early when you worry. To let me begin to deal with why you're really worried. Uh, in Bible college, I learned this great principle. When we, when we read a passage, and, and Jesus starts here in verse 25, and he says the phrase, therefore, what I've realized is this. When you and I are reading the Bible, one of the things we need to ask ourselves is this. When we see the word therefore, we have to ask ourselves this question. Why is it there for? What is it there for? And the reason why worry is here is this. We have to read up above it in verse 24. Jesus gives you and I something to worry about. <laughs> Verse 24, listen what he says. He says, no one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. And then he says this, you cannot serve both God and money. And everybody in the crowd began to worry. <laughs> He's saying it literally to thousands of people. He's going, you can't serve both God and money. You're going to serve one or the other. One or the other is going to be your hope. One or the other is going to hold you together. And here's what I want to do. Jesus doesn't just say, now don't worry. What we're going to look at is the next passage is this. Jesus shows us how you and I can deal early with worry. Listen to what he says in verse 26. He begins to clarify what it looks like. Verse 26, Jesus says this. He says, when you begin to worry, he says, here's what I want you to do. Look up at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or have a 401k. And you know, they don't store away in the barns. They don't do any of that. Listen to what he says. And yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about your clothes? 
See how the lilies of the field grow? They don't labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor, the most richest man in the history when Jesus was writing this, richest man of history, he says, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these flowers. If that is how much God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown in the fire, will he not much more clothe you? Oh, you of little faith. So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans, they run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself, because each day has enough trouble of its own. Here at the very end of this passage, Jesus gets to the heart of why he doesn't want us to worry. He's not just telling you and I, don't worry, be better Christians. He's not saying that. If you're taking notes, this is why he says this, because worry takes us to tomorrow and leaves us absent today. That's what worry does. Worry takes you out of being present today. Worry takes you out of focusing on what God has for you and I to do today. Worry takes you out of relationships today. There'll be sometimes my wife will look at me and she'll say stuff to me and then she'll just say this, you haven't heard a word I said, have you? And I'm like, oh no, baby, I've heard it all. Then say it. I haven't heard a word you said, right? You know, and, and what happens is this, and maybe it's not with the spouse, but maybe it's been with a friend. This is what's happened. That, that, you know, you can tell that they are there but you know they're not there. It's like you're there, but you're not there. And what Jesus is saying is this, worry takes you into tomorrow and here's what happens. You're here, but you're not really here. And we miss out what God wants to do here. This is why he says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. The problem sometimes for you and I, here's what worry does. Worry makes us go after all these things and then we think we'll get the kingdom of God and his righteousness and it never arrives. See, worry takes us into tomorrow and it takes us out of today. It takes us out of today. I love what Mark Moore says in his book, Core 52. It's a phenomenal book. And what Mark did was this. He took the 52 most popular topics in the Bible and he wrote a book about it and just put a chapter to each one. And in, in one of his chapters, it's, it talks about when you and I become overly worried. And what do we do with that? And listen to what he says about worry. I thought this is phenomenal. He says this. He says, worry is toxic to our souls because it blinds us to what God has done. And it blocks us from what he could do. This is what worry does. Worry blinds us to where we don't even see what God has done. We don't see the cross anymore. We don't see his grace anymore. We don't see his goodness anymore. Because all we're doing is we're just filled with worry. We don't see his provision. And then he says this, not only does it blind us, it begins to block. And then this is how we live our life like this. We have just a very narrow scope of what it is. And God's going, I have so much more for you, but this is all you and I see. And this is what worry does. It blinds us and then it blocks us from what God does. One of my favorite lines from an old hymn, it says this, this has done my heart good time and time again because you and I are gonna worry. The reason why he says don't worry is because guess what? We do worry, don't we? We just worry. There's a line from an old hymn that's just 
helped my soul so much. It says this, and, I, and I'm sure some of you guys have probably heard this phrase before. The line from the hymn says this, I don't know what tomorrow holds, but I do know who holds tomorrow. I don't know what tomorrow holds, but I do know who holds tomorrow. And it gives my heart hope that God has this together, that Jesus has it together. Even when I don't have it together and I don't know how it's all gonna work out, I know he holds tomorrow. And this is why Jesus is not just the greatest savior and the greatest king of all time, he's also the greatest leader of all time. The one who has all the answers and the one who is the answer does this. He asks you and I questions. The two questions that he asked all of his disciples here and followers and he asked you and I today is this. He asked you and I two questions when we find ourselves worrying. He says this, who and why? Listen to what he says here. He says this in verse 27. He says, who of you, he goes, who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? Now here's how I read this to my soul. This is the question I hear Jesus asking me in verse 27. This is the Nate Ross translation, right? Is who of you by freaking out and rehearsing the worst case scenario over and over again can add a single hour to his life? This is what I do, right? Worry comes up, I start freaking out and I just, I mean, I go like DEFCON 4, right? You know, and it's like, bam, and it's this and it's this and now this and da, 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 da. And then we start building bomb shelters, right? And we're like, whoa, 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 Nate, slow the roll, my man. But Jesus asked this question, when you and I begin to worry, what he says is this, who, who are you gonna turn to? And who of you, by worrying, can add an hour to their life. You know what I've never felt after I've worried? Better. <laughs> There's never been a time where I've just freaked out and went, oh, now I'm good to be around my family. Now I'm good to pastor, right? I just had to, you know, I just went over there and lost my mind for a while. Now I'm good. No, after I worry, I'm not good. I'm, war, I'm wore out, I'm, wore, I'm, I mean, I'm freaked out. And Jesus here says, who, who of you by worrying can add an hour to your life? Who are you turning to when you worry? See, this is the invitation of Jesus, but not only that, he says, and why do you worry about clothes? Why do you worry about clothes? Isn't it funny? We have, uh, all, we have closets full of clothes at our house and then we go into our closets, we open it up and then we say this, I have nothing what? I got nothing to, now no elbowing of spouses or friends, all right, right? But we walk in there and not only do we have closets full, we have bins in the garage full of clothes, but then we go, I got nothing to wear. I got nothing to wear. And what's really saying is this, we have something to wear. The only thing is this, with clothes, there's something deeper going on in there. There's something deeper going on. I remember in sixth grade when we moved to Las Vegas, uh, we moved into a brand new city, brand new town, didn't know anybody, first day of sixth grade. You know, middle school is hard enough. Middle school in a new city with no friends is tough. And I remember sit, like elementary, it didn't really matter what you wore, but in middle school, it starts to matter what you wear. And it was right when the boom of Tommy Hilfiger came out, you know, and Polo came out and all these, you know, the Gap and all this other stuff. And it was like, if you didn't have name brand, you were nothing in sixth grade. And I remember my cousins would give me hand-me-downs. They were a couple of years older and I would get all their cool hand-me-downs. And I remember I got a bag of hand-me-downs and uh, what was so cool was this, in there, there was a cut-off pair of jean shorts that were guest jean shorts. 
And I began to map it out on picture day. I'm wearing them jean shorts. I mean, and not only that, like I was so pumped to have a pair of, of guest jean shorts that I had a, a button down Oxford shirt that I tucked into a pair of cut off jean shorts. And because this is why, man, I was going to walk around school and you were going to know I had guest jean shorts on. Not cool to tuck in an Oxford shirt and a cut off jean shorts, but I didn't care. And I remember picture day came in there, took my picture. You know, they don't even take pictures of, the, of your pants, right? It's just your shirt, right? But I'm wearing it. And I walked into science class. I'll never forget it. Sixth grade, brand new school, Mr. Harris's earth science class. And another kid came up to me. And he goes, dude, you're shorts. I'm like, I know. <laughs> I know. They're guests, right? He goes, no. He goes, they're the red tag. I said, Yeah. He goes, the boys are a green tag. You're wearing girls' jean shorts. <laughs> My oldest cousin, Sarah, had put some clothes in the hand-me-downs. And I had her jean shorts on. I tucked that shirt so fast, man. Like we, I, don't have, I don't have guest jean shorts on, man. But the Bible has nothing to say to us today, right? You know? Why do you worry about clothes? It wasn't about the clothes for me. You know what it was about? I cared more about the opinions of others. That's what the clothes were about. That's what the clothes were about. Jesus in this moment goes, Nate, you're worried you care more about what they think than who I am. See, a lot of times worry begins to creep up in ways that we never saw coming. We worry about things and sometimes we don't even know why we're worrying. We haven't taken the time to identify where's that coming from? What's happening? See, this is why Jesus gives us this passage. He goes, I know you're worried and I'm not here just to slap your hand and say, quit worrying. What he's saying is this, I'm here to heal your heart. I'm here to set you free. I'm here to untie the knots, Nate, that you carry around, that you care so much about what other people think. And sometimes our family of origin, it does stuff to us, right? We grow up and we have nothing and we begin to think if I can get something, then I will be somebody. And Jesus says, quit worrying about that. Man, who are you trusting and why are you worried Here's what Jesus gives us in this passage is this. He knows we're worried. He knows our heart is tied up in knots and he wants to unravel the knots that we carry around. And listen, this is what he's saying in this passage. If you're taking notes down, he's given us a new path. And what he's saying is this, when you and I worry, because we will worry, we're gonna worry until Christ comes back or we go to be with Christ. You and I are gonna worry. We're just gonna flat out worry. But what he's saying is this, let your worry be a trigger for worship. That when you worry, when you worry about other people's opinion, that's the moment that you need to remember God's opinion about you. That's the moment that you're going to go, God, I'm freaking out about this. But what do you say about this? And God, who are you in this? And sometimes when we hear that phrase, worship, we go, Nate, you just want me to start busting out in song, right? You know, Waymaker, you know, you're like, you just want me to start singing. No, because, you know, 94% of us can't sing anyway, right? You know, and it's like, it doesn't mean just start singing. Here's what it means. This is what Jesus gives us. He says, here's how I want you to deal with your worry. Number one thing he says is this, just slow down. 
just begin to slow down. You go, what do you mean? This is what he says. He goes, I told you, don't worry. And then he says this, look at the birds of the air. You know how you look at the birds of the air? You got to slow down and look at them. Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow. They don't reap. Yet your heavenly father feeds them. And are you not much more valuable than they? There's something happens inside of us when we worry. We don't know it. But here's what begins to happen. When we worry, I don't know about you, but this is what begins to happen to me when I worry. Things begin to speed up. Things begin to ramp up. Our words start getting sharper, don't they? They start cutting harder. And you're going, I don't know what's happening, but something's happening inside of me. And man, it is coming out of me. And I am, whoa. And what happens is this, when we worry, we start speeding up. And this is what Jesus says. He goes, when you begin to worry, here's what you and I need to do. We need to begin to slow down. Look at the birds of the air. Uh, over the last 40 days with our series of Nehemiah, we invited you as a church family to fast from something. Not because God would love you more, but what happens is this. We wanted to invite you to fast from something so you could slow down and spend more time with God. When you don't go without food for maybe breakfast or lunch, what you do is this. You replace that with time with the Lord. You replace that with reading scripture. Uh, Bob Bales, one of our great volunteers in the back, this only had to be of the Holy Spirit. He went 40 days without coffee. God bless you, my man. You know, and uh, I question if that was of the Lord, Bob. But, uh, you know, and he went 40 days without it. And here's why. He wanted every morning to be a trigger that, God, I want coffee. But more I want coffee, God, I want you today. And to begin to slow down his morning. And to say, God, I, I want you for me, I went without social media and some sweets. And, and one of the things about social media, this is the big conviction that happened for me over the last 40 days was this. You know, everything had begun to change so fast in the world. There were so many new things happening over the last 18 months and, and pastors were having to deal with this and answer tough questions and disgruntled people and this and that. I had a friend who sent me this picture the other day. He said, here's what it looks like to be a pastor in March of 2020. And then here's what it looks like to be a pastor today. And it's like, this is how it all started. You know, everything was great. Welcome to church, folks, and all this other stuff. And, and then now it's like, ah, you know, we're just freaking out. And here's what begins to happen inside of all of us. What happened to me over the past 18 months is this. I just began running to try to get as many answers as I could. And the only thing was this. I began to care what other people said more than what the Spirit was wanting to teach me. I was wanting to learn from the greatest theologians in the world and other pastors and use social media to learn. And I needed answers. I needed answers. And what Jesus was really saying is this. Nate, you just need to slow down and listen to me. You need to slow down and come after me. This is why he says, look at the birds of the air. Just slow down. When you feel everything speeding up, begin to slow down. But then he says this, it's not just slow down and walk around like a monk, you know, and just kind of, uh, you know, it's not slow down like this. It's to slow down and then it's this, so that you and I can go after God. That you and I can pursue God, we're going to pursue something. And either we're going to pursue trying to handle worry on ourselves or we're going to pursue God. This is why he says this, oh, you of little faith. So do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans, they run after all these things. But your heavenly father knows that you need them. Man, run after your heavenly father. 
And even when he says this, he says the phrase, oh, you of little faith. It's the only time Jesus puts the verbs together like this. And literally he says this, when he says you, oh, you of little faith, what he's really saying is this, you little faith are you, right? You little faith are you, Nate. You're all freaked out about nothing. I think it's the original phrase here for bless your heart. Right, you know, like that's what we say, right? When, when somebody's just kind of, you know, going crazy over there, what do we say? Like instead of like telling them the truth, we go, bless your heart, right? And you're looking at him going, man, right, slow down. And what he's saying here in this passage is he's saying this. He goes, when we slow down, that's the opportunity for you and I to go after God. Pagans run after all this stuff. Slow down so you and I can go after God, that you and I can trust God. God, I'm worrying. And he goes, great, don't worry by yourself. Bring that worry to me. Come after me. I love what one author said as I was studying this. He said, when it comes to worry, he says, we need to practice sobriety. I thought, interesting. He said, you get sober when you're an alcoholic by admitting that you're an alcoholic. And he goes, and when it comes to worry, we need to practice sobriety and say this, God, let me admit, I need to be honest, I worry about things way more than I really care to admit. Psalm 32, verse 3 says this, when I kept silent, my bones wasted away, though through my groaning all day long. When you and I are silent about our worry, it takes us, its toll on us physically, doesn't it? It takes a toll on us mentally, emotionally, relationally, spiritually. When you and I remain silent, worry keeps speaking. Worry keeps digging in. And the writer of Psalms says this, I'm not going to keep silent anymore, God. I'm going to bring my worry to you. I'm going to go after you. I'm going to slow down and I'm going to go after you. I'm going to trust you with my worry. I'm going to trust you with my thoughts. God, I'm going to trust you to work this out. I don't know what tomorrow holds, but I know who holds tomorrow. And so, God, I'm going to trust you with it. Let me just ask you a quick question. What are you worried about today? I mean, what, what, what's got your thoughts? It's got your heart tied up in knots. That is what God wants you to go after with him. Your future, your marriage, your kids, your friends, your hurts, your wounds. Jesus says it this way, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. And when we slow down and go after him, when we seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, all these things begin to come along. He says, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself because each day has enough trouble of its own. See, when you and I seek the kingdom of God, we seek God's plan on this earth. 
And God's plan on this earth, Jesus summarized it in Mark chapter 12. There was a man who came up and he said, Jesus, there's 613 laws. What is the most important law? Boil it down. Cliff note versions. Give it to me straight, Jesus. And this is what I love Jesus does. He summarizes it. He says this. Okay, here it is. Here's what the kingdom of God is. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love who? Your neighbor as yourself. See, the kingdom of God isn't just about your worry going to him. The kingdom of God is you and I carrying each other's burdens together. See, when we slow down and we go after God, here's what God begins to do. God begins to partner with us to begin to bless other people. This is what God wants from you and I. This is how our worry works out. Sometimes one of the greatest things you and I can do is when we worry, the greatest thing, one of the greatest things we can do isn't just to slow down and be with the Lord and go after him, absolutely. But the other thing is this, for you and I to begin to see ways that we can bless other people. To go, God, I know I'm worried. I know these things are going up, but how can I bless someone else? Got a, a phone call Sunday last week from one of our life group leaders here in the church family. And they said, hey, uh, Nate, I don't know if you'd be available, but on Tuesday night, uh, I would love to have you come out and some other pastors and uh, to our life group. I said, sure, what's going on? And they said, well, uh, we're gonna have to have a, a pretty uh, sad life group meeting. I said, well, yeah, what's going on? They said, well, one of the members in our life group uh, have been diagnosed with cancer. And... Uh, we're going to gather about 30 people and we're just going to come together and pray. We're going to pray together. We're going to be together. And uh, they said, if you could maybe bring somebody to come, lead some songs, we, we, we want to sing together. And on Tuesday night, in the midst of the greatest worries of their life, we sang together. We prayed together. We cried together. And what was amazing is this, the life group leader called their neighbor who owns some land and on their land, they have this cross. It's made of rocks. And, and their neighbor built this so that UPS pilots that are flying over could recognize they were close to home, but not only were they close to home to Louisville, but if you really wanna be home, you come home to Jesus. And literally there at the foot of the cross, about 30 of us gathered on Tuesday night. We worshiped. And what was amazing is this, we grabbed people together, people who are in the middle right now of battling cancer and they shared their story. People who are in remission shared how God had blessed them and held them together. And in the middle of all of this was just these life group members who are going in the midst of our worry, in the midst of our pain, we're gonna go after God together. We're gonna to pray, we're gonna, we're gonna bring all of our worries to him. One lady stood up who had had cancer, who had defeated cancer, but, but she shared a story that when her first husband who ended up dying of cancer was first diagnosed, he was there and he was under because they had to do uh, all this testing and she stepped out after doing testing and she stepped out into the hallway and she accidentally heard the nurse tell the doctor that he, it was cancer. And she said, here I am, my, my, my husband's unconscious. I just found out he's got cancer and I don't know where to go. And she said, the only thing I could do was to go into the waiting room. And she said, I just sat down and I just began just to cry. Nobody was with me and I'm just by myself. She said, this lady next to me said, 
it looks like you just got some devastating news. What's going on? She said, I just found out my husband's got cancer. He's unconscious right now, and I just don't know what to do. And the lady asked her just right there in the waiting room, she said, are you a Christian? She said, I am. She said, I am too. Let me give you a hug. (laughs) And these two strangers in a waiting room realized that they're sisters in the Lord. And they just put their arm around each other. And they said, in the moment right now of our greatest fears and worry, we're gonna be together and we're gonna pray for each other. We're gonna slow down. And we're gonna bring our worries to the Lord. What we're gonna do right now, we're gonna take a moment just to slow down and go after God. And what I wanna invite you to do is this, just in this moment, I want you to be honest and real. Just to bring your worry to the Lord. Maybe there's an area in your life you can't even identify. You go, God, I just know something's not right. I can't even say it, but I know something's not right. Here in a moment, we're just gonna give you time to talk to the Lord, to to be honest with your worry, then Sam's gonna sing over us. For some of you here today, you know that you've needed to slow down for a while. That you've known you've needed to become a follower of Jesus for a while. Today, I wanna invite you, whether it's to the cross or the living room, to begin to go, "I I need to start taking steps to become a follower of Jesus. But today, Jesus is inviting us to bring our worries to him. So let's slow down and go after God right now. I'm going to give you a moment. I just want to invite you just to bow your heads right now. Just to bring your worries to the Lord. What's got you tied up in knots? Because only the grace of Jesus and his cross can unravel what has us tied up. Let's bring our hearts and our worries to the Lord right now.